0: Free speech. Jutta Clausen, tell me about the conversation in a Boston hotel on the 23rd of July 2009 when Yale University and Yale University Press told you that they would not publish the already prepared sheaf of illustrations to your book about the cartoons that shook the world.
1: Linda Lormer, the vice president of Yale University was there as well as John Donatage, uh, the editor of uh, the press. And um, the head of the Islamic Studies Program had also at Yale University had also traveled to Boston to meet with me. And um, Linda Lorimer was stressing that uh, there were foreign policy risks and started talking about uh, various important people who had said that there was a serious risk uh, associated uh, with publishing the cartoons. Um, And uh, then it became gradually clear, also, that they weren't uh, going to just withdraw the Danish cartoons, uh, which was uh, something I agreed to on the condition that we get a statement inside the book that recognised that the censorship had occurred. Uh, But then it became very slowly clear that they were planning to remove all of the illustrations, also illustrations. Uh, a a copy of um, uh, a picture from an Ottoman manuscript of uh, uh, Muhammad riding out into war together with Ali and uh, the arguments uh, were uh, that uh, there would be a personal risk to myself. Uh, I was asked if I wasn't concerned about my own safety since uh, uh, depicting Muhammad um, constitutes blasphemy in Pakistan it could potentially be punished by death. Uh, w- wouldn't I be afraid there would be a death sentence executed upon me? Didn't I worry about my children? I was even brought in my children. And, uh, but at that point, uh, I just um, thought that we had uh, made an arrangement, an agreement that um, the uh, illustrations show uh, the reproduction of the newspaper uh, page with the 12 cartoons was going to be removed, uh, which I agreed to and uh, on the condition that we have this statement in the front of the book. Uh, so at that moment, when I walked out, I thought that was the arrangement. Uh, and then in the following days, um, I was then told that, uh, in fact, uh, wouldn't I um, voluntarily agree to uh, remove all of the illustrations uh, that the um, Yale University had developed a 15-page dossier um, with statements uh, from Various uh, government officials and others uh, uh, detailing uh, the uh, security risk, um, not just uh, to uh, Yale and the press and my own life, but also to
0: American foreign policy in general. Now, did you see the 15 page dossier? Um,
1: I was. Um, uh, would be allowed to see it. The answer is no, I did not see it. Uh, The condition under which I would be allowed to see it was that I uh, agreed that we would not have the statement um, marking uh, that uh, illustrations had been removed. Uh, I would get to see the statement only on the precondition that I had, um, that there would be no statement anywhere in the book that the illustration had been removed, which I refused to do.
0: So the condition on which they would let you see the expertise, was that there should be no acknowledgement in the book that this deal had been made. That's right. That's an extraordinary condition.
1: It was. It was clearly the case that they much preferred uh, that uh, nobody would know ever. And uh, so it's an effort uh, to um, make me not even have this court uh, interview that I'm having with you right now. Um, I was um, expected to sign a statement. I would say that I would never mention it. It hadn't.
0: Um, so you've never seen the so-called experts document, but from what they told you, this was as much about possible threats to US national interests and foreign policy interests as about any direct threat of violence. Is that That's correct? correct, yes. Um, what, is your, what do you think, Yale University, and as I understand it from this account, it was as much it was the university itself, not just the press. What other considerations do you think were foremost in their mind? Um, well,
1: Linda Lorimer, the vice president, was speaking um, when we met uh, about um, how she traveled in the uh, uh, to Saudi Arabia and Gulf states, and that con- possibly there could be risks to, um, to she said she was not afraid, but there could possibly be risks uh, to the university, etc. To, and to students, we're not concerned about students, who might be penalized. Um, I remember mentioning that I didn't think that Yale University perhaps was quite as important as that. And then she said, no, no, it be extraordinarily important, as important as the state. <laughs> so um, I mean, clearly, there was um, an inflated uh, sense of um, Yale's um, own importance, conflating Yale's interests with national interests, Um, as well as also a real effort to just plainly scare me.
0: And what's your judgment? Because the statement, the publisher's statement that appears in the book says, I quote, the overwhelming judgment of the experts was that the republication of the cartoons by Yale University Press ran a serious risk of instigating violence. Yes. It's a very odd use of the word instigate.
1: Yes. Well, um, Yale uh, University found itself in a dilemma because uh, Yale University, as too many other universities, have statements saying that you are not allowed to censor speech out of consideration for the feelings of others. So therefore, the only uh, way that they could uh, justify uh, the censorship was by saying that there was a serious risk; they couldn't um, justify it on grounds of sim- uh,
0: a crossing offence. Now, now Jutta Klassen, you are a leading expert um, on the nexus between Islam or Islamism and violence. Do you think, at that point, um, several years after the? height of the cartoon controversy, do you think there was a serious risk of another round of violence being, uh, in some sense, occasioned by the book? There were
1: never any threats. Uh, there was never any threatening mail. Uh, there was no empirical evidence of any threat. When I traveled as part of the research for the book, I was actually traveling with uh, the Danish uh, cartoons, a reproduction of the Danish cartoon, not just those, but also uh, a folder produced by um, a group of Danish uh, imams and mosque activists to rile up um, opinion in, the, in, in Egypt and, and in the Middle East. And uh, one of the imams I knew, and he had given me a copy of his, his um, the, the, the dossier. So I traveled with that, When I, mean, I went to, with it to Azerbaijan. I interviewed the Secretary General of the Organization of the Islamic Conference, uh, Isan, um, Isanulu. And uh, I went to um, Cairo with it, and I showed it, and I told everybody, mm. uh, I'm going to print these Um, cartoons in my book uh, when it comes out what do you think of that and um, people said yes please we were never never the cartoons themselves uh we were always just demonstrating about uh uh, the issue uh, was what they said about who Muslims are and what Muslims think. It wasn't, uh, depiction was never an issue. So my book actually explains that in great detail. So it was uh, it was a paradox to uh, have the forward to sort of turn against, the even citing evidence of uh, uh, violence, some of the statistics I have in my own book, where I argue that, Um, Yes, there was violence in Nigeria, it wasn't because of the cartoons, but it was because there was already pre-existing conflicts and hot flash uh, points there between uh, Christians and Muslims. Uh, So uh, the statement actually turns around and distorts the argument of my book.
0: So briefly, you don't actually think there was a serious probability of violence against you or people associated with Yale? But no. if they had published the book with these illustrations. No. So you think the decision was the wrong one? Yes, I do. Um, now let's explore that a bit more, because of course the other side of the story is the question why it was so important to have that uh, sheaf of illustrations, which started with a reproduction of the whole page of Ulan's Boston, showing all the different cartoons. Not just the one with the bomb, uh, and went on to have another uh, a number of other historical depictions of the prophet. Um, I understand from an interview you gave to Index on Censorship that no less than four academic reviewers of the book had supported your view that that the these images should be included.
1: Yes. Um, This is an academic press. The book was reviewed, it was sent before the publications committee at Yale University. The publications committee consisting of faculty at Yale had passed and accepted the book, even put into their notes that it was important that these illustrations would be included. uh, The publication
0: committee said it was important that they be included. Yes. On what ground? The purpose of the chapter is
1: to describe the history of... uh, Uh, depicting Muhammad in Islamic art and in Western Christian art uh, traditions, as well as also explaining the differences and the different meanings of the cartoons um, and how Danes would read them and why they, in fact, uh, would be um, offensive to Muslims. Uh, because there's a great deal of ambiguity about what they actually mean, and some of some of the twelve cartoons very clearly showed that uh, uh, criticisms of the newspaper and saying that Muslims were the vi- victims in this matter. So it was my purpose was educational. It was certainly not uh, to provoke.
0: Mm. And the result is that in a book called "The Cartoons That Shook the World," the one thing we can't see is. The cartoons that took the world. That's correct.
1: People sometimes tell me, why does it matter, you can still see them online. But the problem uh, with many of the reproductions online is that they take the cartoons out of the context. So many people actually don't realize how exactly they were reproduced, uh, the whole nature of, uh, um, of the, the exercise by the Danish newspaper Uh, Nor do people really understand that many of the cartoonists had other opinions than the one being expressed uh, by Westergaard's iconic uh, depiction of of, uh, Mohammed with a bomb in its turban.
0: So one of our um, draft principles on the Free Speech Debate website is there should be no taboos in the discussion and dissemination of knowledge, um, what we have here is the enforcement of a taboo.
1: Yes, and it's not even a widely shared taboo. Um, it is a taboo that is being asserted only uh, by um, the extreme uh, political. Sections of the Islamist movement as well as certain religious groups, it's not a universally shared taboo, uh, self evidently not since we have a terrific Ottoman art uh, depicting Muhammad. Uh, so one of the problems with what has happened is that uh, Yale's actions reinforced uh, the views of those extremists, namely that you cannot depict these cartoons, so you cannot depict uh, the images.
0: Now, can I just go to that point of reinforcing? Because another of our draft principles um, says we neither make threats of violence nor yield to violent intimidation. The point yes. being that it's two sides of the same coin. The more you yield to violent intimidation, the more you encourage people to use it.
1: Yes, that uh, the Danish cartoons are... Um, a perfect example of that, uh, because um, from the beginning, uh, actions uh, such as Yale University's action have fed into the whole construction of them as being dangerous. Um, and uh, Vester Gore, uh, who was the only one of the 12 cartoonists to actually speak up, uh, contrary to the advice of uh, uh, Danish police, uh, was in part singled out. Uh, because he was the only one who spoke up. So uh, there's a, a lot of uh, serendipity in the way that um, this whole episode has evolved uh, and uh, uh, Anwar al-Awlaki and uh, Osama bin Laden didn't have an opinion about the cartoons until after all of these things occurred, all of these things happened uh, to make the cartoons emblemic of the sort of things Westerners say or, uh, or do about, about um, Muslims. And that has then in turn uh, made them dangerous symbols.
0: Um, do you have any sympathy though with, with, with a university administrator or, or, or the head of a university press Um, who says, well, look, even if the risk is very, very small, uh, I have a responsibility for the safety of my employees, and even if the risk is tiny, and I have to weigh that against the public good and the academic uh, value of publication.
1: Yes, I do have sympathy. I think uh, universities have a custodial responsibility. And I did agree, uh, under duress, but I did agree to remove the um, Danish cartoons from uh, the book. Uh, but I never agreed to the removal of uh, uh, the reproduction of a, uh, an Ottoman manuscript or uh, the removal of a depiction of uh, a made by Gustave Duret that was also taken out. Uh, These are common images, that are part of what uh, the art history, the art legacy of of both the Muslim world and and the Christian world, and uh, to take them out is just an extraordinary act of Um, self-censorship. These are images that have absolutely never been implicated uh, in any um, demonstration, any protests Mm -hmm. whatsoever.
0: You mean the depictions uh, of the, because I actually have the, 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 the original sheaf of illustrations here, you mean the depiction in an Ottoman manuscript and the depiction in Gustav Dore's illustration for Dante's Divine Comedy. Yes, that's correct. For example. Yeah. Uh, now, um, I've drawn on this conversation from um, an interview you gave to Index on Censorship. Uh, soon after um, this story broke, and it was, of course, reported in the New York Times and elsewhere. Um, Index on Censorship, however, themselves decided not to reproduce the page from Julian's Boston, yeah. the cartoons. Uh, and I have in front of me the statement from, from the chair of the trustees and, and, and also a, a protest from one of the trustees, uh, uh, Kenan Malik. Um, how did you feel about that? It was just apparently it
1: was becoming a comedy. just a comedy of errors really um Fear is very contagious, obviously, and uh the once you have uh somebody as established and uh, well regarded as Yale University saying that this is too dangerous for us to do, then apparently. Um, without any evidence whatsoever, everybody else uh, decides that they need to be afraid too. Uh, it really became a moral panic. Mm. There was uh, an exaggerated, inflated sense of uh,
0: a risk. So, in, in a way, to, to rephrase it, you think that, as it were, panic in what we might broadly call the West in, in Europe and North America actually reinforced these hysterical and extreme reactions.
1: Yes, uh, and uh, by 2010, a year later, um, Anwar al-Awlaki, who has now been killed by, in a drone attack by the U.S., um, speaking out of Yemen, published a very glossy magazine called Inspire Magazine and created a hit list of people uh, who were you know, Western Muslims ought to attack and kill uh, because they insulted uh, Islam. So that became, some people have described uh, Anwar al-Awlaki as as a a pop Islamist. Uh, It became part of a new wave, really, of threats that had not originally existed, but uh, by turning these cartoons uh, into very singular images and having only a few people like, uh, that's the Uh, being held responsible for them, uh, we actually, I think, inadvertently continue to make uh, Vestergaard's life very difficult and and, and make him uh, a central target um, for these sort of threats, um, which were publicity stunts. Um, Anybody can issue a threat uh, via the internet. Um, The question is, how credible were these threats, and I think that's one of the things that uh, no institutions have really found a good way of dealing with. The fact that a threat on the internet uh, is a very different thing from having uh, an active death threat from somebody in your backyard, uh, but there's no ability really to distinguish between these um, very generalized threats. And as a result, the threat level has just proliferated. It's just, uh, There are just many more people who are constantly
0: subject to threats. And do you mean to say by that that in some sense we shouldn't give these internet threats as much credibility as we do give them? We should not. Uh,
1: the Danish police decided at the time of the original uh, incidents back in, in the fall of uh, 2005 and 2006 that um, one of the key criteria for having a credible threat was that there had to be proximity. You can't kill anybody unless you're close by. Uh, so proximity by itself was was an operative. So surely vulnerable. somebody might
0: be proximity might be proximity to the screen in the sense that people can be radicalized online, can they not?
1: That I, I, that's quite rare. Um, it takes quite a lot to go out and attack a person. It takes a great deal of preparation. It's not just usually something you. You, you the history of this sort of violence is not that people sit in front of the screen and then immediately stand up and pick up an axe and go and and attack somebody uh, there was an attack on court Vestigal with an axe so this is a real example it happened uh, in january um, 2010, I think, or 2000, yeah, yeah, New Year's 2010, and um, this was a person who already was under surveillance, but escaped the surveillance. So of course, that is the issue that you have with surveillance; it's not always perfect. Uh, there mistakes happen, uh, but all of this happened uh, subsequently to uh, what has been going on with. Uh, my book, and it's very different to sit and publish an academic book that's, uh, and being the original author of, of this so-called um, uh, insulting cartoon. So I think that uh, we have to make distinctions also between um, generalized academic debate. Um, the uh, actually in Islam, uh, even if you were of the mindset that you think that it's uh, these are not publishable uh, images. Um, you are um, allowed to reproduce insulting images in the pursuit of discussing the nature of the insult. Right. Uh, there's a religious opinion. Uh, I actually have a fatwa in my favour for the reproduction of the uh, images issued by
0: whom? The fatwa.
1: Uh, the fatwa is by a Jordanian uh, ulama, uh, a learned uh, scholar um,
0: in Jordan. That's very interesting indeed. Mm-hmm. Issued in response to the controversy around the book,
1: a friend of mine uh, asked uh, for um, um, an, a fatwa for a religious opinion. Mm. So, so uh,
0: even in his understanding of Islam, and of course uh, these understandings are contested. Yes, uh, there is uh, a, there is so to speak theological uh, justification in, in Islamic jurisprudence for the publication even of offensive images, in order for them to be discussed.
1: Yes, and this goes, I think, back to your, your principles that, that you have articulated that there can be no taboos. Um, I think it is important to recognize that the intent uh, of um, the publication and speech matters.
0: Yes, yes, indeed, because we, there should be no taboos in the discussion and dissemination of knowledge I mean, that's yes. specifically in that case um what's been the subsequent publication history of your book has it been translated into um, languages of majority muslim countries uh
1: no it has not um but i have sold um, the book and um, in in both um, particularly in turkey uh, one of my previous books was translated into turkish Uh, There was an effort to translate it and find a Turkish publisher for it. It didn't happen. Uh, I sent copies of the book um, to people in Cairo associated with Islam Online, uh, which is uh, a website uh, linked to um, Sheikh Yusuf Al-Qaedawi, widely regarded as um, uh, the spiritual... um, Inspiration for the Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, they read it, uh, set up um, an international uh, chat room for an hour with me where people were calling in, um, emailing into Cairo, where there was a bank of uh, computers that then fielded uh, the questions to me, and I sat in Boston and answered them. And um, I have had really nothing but. Um, understanding and open discussion with you, also with Islamists about uh, the intentions of my book. Uh, okay. because Can I, I just put
0: h- stop you there? Mm-hmm. Because what you just said is quite remarkable. This was in 2010? Yes. So we're talking um, a, a, a time when the Muslim Brotherhood is still formally banned in yes. Cairo. But yes. They're organizing from Cairo yes. a call-in discussion with you about your book. That's
1: right. A did, FedEx the book to Cairo.
0: <laughs> and were some of the responses in that chat, online chat, with organized by the Muslim Brotherhood um, very hostile?
1: Um, a few were quite hostile, um, but um, we could talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. What was your attitude to the question of the republication of the cartoons themselves? In newspapers, I don't mean initially when they were just the cartoons uh, published by Uhlans Boston, I mean when they had become the subject of this global controversy.
1: Well, I found that somewhat problematic because uh, um, the when all the newspapers in two thousand and six across Europe started republicizing the cartoons. They did it as a statement of solidarity with the Danes. Uh, That was a good instinct, uh, but the problem that occurred was that it became a political movement. That turned the cartoons into a political issue. This is what we do, and this is what you do. And that type of confrontational... um, Action and reaction is not conducive to dialogue.
0: Um, wasn't it, by your own account in the book, the group of Danish and other imams who had turned it into a political.
1: It was, but there was an incredible ping pong effect, uh, and uh, it was really quite remarkable the extent to which uh, these cartoons became celebrities. Yeah. And 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 that reinforced the sense that there was no bridge of opinion. Could could
0: could I put a counter um, argument to you? Because which, which my own position is roughly this: that there was no good reason to republish the cartoons. Initially, it was just a little experiment made by one Danish newspaper. Right. But when they had become the subject of violent intimidation, which at a certain point they did become, then the argument changes. And there was an argument for everybody to publish them simply to show that violent intimidation cannot pay.
1: I agree, yes, there was. But right now is when we really should be publishing them. And now nobody's publishing them anymore.
0: Yes, although it is, of course, true that you can go on Wikipedia and see them at yes. Yes. any time. Wikipedia
1: actually has been subject to very significant um, pressure to take them down.
0: And, uh, from?
1: Yes, and they have kept them up. I think Wikipedia deserves a lot of
0: credit for that. Pressure from?
1: Both a uh, uh, write-in, complaint, but I can't really say that much about it because I can't really verify it, but apparently also some official
0: pressures. Right. Well, we better ask them. Yeah. So, Jutta Klaus, I'm coming to a close. What, from this really extraordinary and depressing experience of yours, um, which starts with trying to write a very sober, academic, uh, serious analysis of the whole controversy, what conclusions do you draw for our approach to freedom of expression?
1: I think it's very important uh, to keep in mind that when you suppress something like the illustrations um, in my book, and here I'm speaking about them broadly, not just the Danish cartoons, but also the other images, You are taking something away from readers. You are denying access to important information. And by denying that access, you shut down dialogue. You have contributed to the very hostile perceptions, in black and white, of what the meaning was of these cartoons. And that... It's just not doable in uh, international global societies where we have many different views, but farming out uh, the decision about what is permissible standards to uh, imagined threat from abroad and imagine there was no actual threat. You have imported unknowable boundaries for what we can say and what we can talk about. Mm. And uh, there is, um, that happened in 2009 and in 2010 this was an issue. But it also means that now um, when I assign the book to my students and other people assign the book to students or anybody else wants to look up the cartoons, we are restricted access to diversity of opinion about the meaning of these cartoons. Mm-hmm.
0: Jutta Clausen, thank you very much for talking to Free Speech Debate.
1: Thank you.